0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the 2020 Summer Documentary Institute premiere. My name is Willa Johnson. I'm the director for the Appalachian Media Institute. This is our 32nd year, and this summer was different, of course, as is everything this summer, Um, but the history of Appalachian Media Institute is that we are part of Apple Shop. We are part of documenting what it looks like to live in Appalachia, and When things began to shift this summer and the spring, we realized that we weren't gonna be able to meet in person. And we really could have just stopped and hit pause um, for the year. But what we decided to do was to capture this. This is a moment worth documenting. This is a moment worth capturing. We also wanted to make sure that we were able to keep um, our talented young people with the resources they needed to be producing and sharing these stories and we believed in their skill and knew their ability to do this and as i've said before there's not a lot of folks who can come in and document what it looks like in a rural community right now and the folks that are here producing and telling the stories are maxed out it's a it's a really challenging time to be able to capture interviews capture stories broadcast them to the world um in rural America. And so the ability to do that here um, just presented an opportunity for us to hire these seven amazing young people to do that storytelling for us. So that is how we got to a virtual Summer Documentary Institute and shifted gears from video documentary storytelling to audio. We were incredibly lucky that the stars aligned and we were able to bring in a guest educator for the summer. And I'm gonna turn that over to Benny Becker now who was our amazing uh, educator this summer and um, really led the way in helping make tonight and these stories possible. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Willa. Thank you, world. And thank you to these producers. I just want to take a second and wherever you are, could we all just give a round of applause? That includes you all. You should applaud each other too, please. They deserve all the praise. Uh, I mean, yeah, like Willa said, these are some times and. They did some work. I mean, those stories, you heard them. They, they speak for themselves. Um, but this part is to hear a little bit from the producers about their work, and and I'm gonna ask everyone to introduce themselves. And I thought one fun thing would maybe just be to share one thing, anything that surprised you this summer, whether that was in the process of learning or of making your piece. Um, so if you wouldn't mind starting us off, Madison.
0: Hello,
2: um, I'm Madison Buchanan. I'm 19 years old, live in Moorhead. My piece was prepaid to call for help, prisons in a pandemic. Uh, I learned a lot of surprising things, actually. Um, Jacob, the man that I interviewed, was amazing, and he told me crazy things from an insight because he's living in prison in a pandemic. Um, Something that was really crazy to me was that he told me that um, when the pandemic first outbreak, what they were using for masks were um, like the cups for bras, like they just took those and were using those and they weren't given any more. That was something that I was like, wow, that's
3: that's pretty crazy. My name is Hannah Adams. I'm 21 years old and I produce foster care in a pandemic world. And I think the most surprising thing that happened to me this summer is just how effortlessly this summer went. At the beginning of the summer, I think we were all a little hesitant, all all a little worried about how it exactly was gonna work out being all virtual. But I think because we all know each other, we've all worked together before, we were um, able to very easily produce media like we always have been. And I think we should all be very proud of the outcome of our pieces. I'm Alyssa Hilton. I'm the producer of Cancelled Culture.
4: Um, one thing that surprised me is the fact that I could create an entire radio piece from my bedroom. Like, I didn't know how <laughs> easy that would be. I thought it would be really hard at first, but it turned out to be very easy to do with the help of our lovely Benny. So, yeah. Uh,
5: my name is Nicole. I'm 19. I uh, produced uh, 608 College Students in a Pandemic. And uh, one thing I learned was, I had a set thing for what I wanted to do and I, I really wanted to do it, but um, I learned that even if I have to change my topic and uh, rework some things, it can still work out and it can turn out really great, so.
6: I'm Jamie Shepard, I'm 17 and I live in the Perry County area and I made behind closed doors during quarantine And one thing that I found surprising with making my piece is how there's always two sides to something and all the help we've been getting financially during quarantine with the stimulus checks and how that has a positive and a negative and really how things are just better and worse for people. It's just very different to know the inside of people.
7: I'm Sean Hall. I'm 20 years old. I made uh two branches, sports versus the pandemic. I think the uh big thing that I've learned uh over this summer is how much it's kind of changed sports and changed people in general. Like at soccer, we had they they said that they could only use one ball each and then like they all had to stay six feet apart and they're not allowed to touch the same ball as other people. And uh I went to record their audio for the uh for the documentary. And when I went there to their practice, I had to get up there at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, I had a face mask, I had gloves on. They checked my temperature before I got on the field and I stayed six feet apart from everyone. So it was a, it's just a different experience and way different from where, the way it was when I was playing. Um,
8: my name is Ivy Infus, I'm 18. I'm the producer of a uh, symptom of slavery, Racism in healthcare during pandemic. Um, and one thing that I think was surprising was finding out just how obvious that some things are that we just tend to ignore, like how obvious racism is in healthcare, but you like a lot of people don't even notice it. Um, And another thing I think uh, like Hannah and Alyssa mentioned earlier was how easy it was, I guess, because we all knew each other and we all were kind of familiar with what we were doing. But uh, I was worried about how easy this would be and how
1: much we would actually get to do, but it was a really good experience. Thank you all for sharing and introducing yourselves and for sharing your beautiful work with us. I have another question to go around with, if that's cool with everyone. So I'm curious if you could each maybe share one part of the process that took a lot of work for you um, that you think people might not realize was something um, was, is a piece of what it takes to make something like this.
2: Okay, so my piece, uh, Prepaid Call for help. the guy that I interviewed, our interview, the recording was an hour long, and everything that he said was amazing, and I wanted to use everything, and then I actually interviewed um, another person, and that interview was 30 minutes long, And uh, I ended up not even getting to use that interview. And I wanted to cut down my piece to be sort of short so it could maybe reach further and more people could hear about it and learn about it. And so it took me a really long time to figure out how I was gonna condense a one hour amazing interview, like with all kinds of insight into like five minutes. Um, And then I finally, got the idea of using the email that he reads, Um, but when I first talked to him when I was recording the email, the phone cut out because they cut his phone call off because he was trying to tell me things that they didn't want me to know, I guess, and so I had to call him back and have him re-record it a couple times, and Um, piece it all together and make it flow where it didn't sound choppy, because that conversation did happen, but I had to, like, almost reconstruct it, because it got cut out the first time, so it took a lot of work and um, a lot of time, but I'm happy with it, so.
3: I had a similar issue to Madison, in that my story is complex and in-depth, And um, that's just because the foster care system is complex and in-depth. There's so many different people involved from social workers to foster parents, to biological families, and of course, foster children themselves. And I wanted to try my best to include as many of those voices and perspectives as I can and hit on as many topics as possible. So the original version of my story was nearly 20 minutes long which was a lot to take in. So I went through many drafts and many edits and I'm still working now to cut it down even more so it can hopefully reach uh, broader audiences.
4: For me, it was definitely the volume and altering that for um, the music that I put into the story. Um, fun fact, the music was actually um, taken from like websites that I found like that were like music um but they were really soft like at first you could barely hear them so i had to increase the volume on that and it was really a struggle to make sure that the volume didn't overtake the person talking so yeah that was something that i had to work on for a while
5: for me it was uh during the interviews we had to use um We mainly used a website called Zencaster to record interviews and uh, trying to find people who knew how to work at the website and also um, like trying to deal with uh, their background noise like what's this humming noise in my ear Uh, could you maybe turn that off Um, and then trying to uh, help them work through what what their mocks doing if it's messing up or something and and they were headphones so that was the most difficult part for me but the part that took the longest I think was just like taking audio from different news stories and putting it in because I had to record it in a weird way and I was afraid it would sound weird but it it sounded pretty good in the end so.
6: I would say the hardest part about my piece was trying to open it with a narration that fit it And I had no problem with the interview I had. Tara Combs gave me a great interview and gave me everything that I needed. I think my interview was only 12 minutes in total, but she said everything I needed to make this piece. So the main problem was me trying to sound like the piece was important, but also to relate it to everything that's happening now because that's what the piece is about. So otherwise from that, it went pretty, pretty smoothly besides sometimes my sound wasn't correct, but in the end, it sounds good. So I'm happy with what I made.
7: Yeah, I think my, the most difficult part of the documentary for me was just the interviews themselves because both of them were on phone calls. They weren't on Syncast or anything that had good audio. And so when we interviewed, I would have to re, like, ask them questions over again so I could hear them more clearly because it was hard to understand them. And then when I had what I wanted on recording, I had to fix the audio then. Yeah, the audio quality is probably the the biggest obstacle for me, but I think it worked out well.
8: Um, I think the hardest part for me besides getting the actual interviews, which is difficult now that you can't do anything in person, but um, it was very difficult finding the right answers and piecing it together in a coherent storyline so that anyone who may not know anything about like this can get what's happening. So I guess getting like the perspective on it so that anybody can listen to it without making it like half an hour long and uh, getting the most important parts in there and telling other people how they can help too was pretty hard.
1: Thank you all. Clearly you can tell it was a lot of work that went into this. It, it, It takes a lot of work to make it sound so effortless. Um, (laughs) So we have a couple questions coming in from Facebook. I think we're maybe just gonna do at least the next one popcorn style. So just jump in if you have something you wanna share. Uh, Tammy Fleming Lee wants to know um, how COVID-19 has affected the producers, that's you, (laughs) in your personal journey um, as far as hopes and dreams and academically. Um, and also specifically if it's had a negative impact on your outlook or made you more determined?
7: Yeah, so um, when COVID first started, it was, well, around March, I think, and um, for me, I was – I just, like, finished up this semester of school, and uh, it got me thinking about, like, what I wanted to do in the future, and I was at Moorhead State at the time, and um, after thinking about it, I realized that, I wanted to do something more into fashion and apparel and more state had nothing for me as far as that went. And, um, it, it took a lot for me to, to leave because I I enjoyed being there and I had friends there and I lived with Madison who is also one of the producers. And, uh, it took a, I thought about it a long time, but because of COVID, I have, I had a lot of time to think about it. And, uh, it was, I think if COVID didn't happen, I wouldn't have probably moved to Richmond. And uh, I'm going to be attending EKU this semester, but it, I think it has it's had a negative and a positive impact on on the way I do things and the way I think about things now.
2: Um, to piggyback off of Sean a little bit, uh, I lived with Sean, and when he decided that he wanted to transfer, um, you know, all support for me, but... Uh, <laughs> I had I suddenly had to find a new house (laughs) and so moving in the middle of a pandemic is really difficult um and it's been pretty stressful to find a decent place and then I contemplated transferring colleges and I almost did and then it was really confusing time (laughs) but then I I did decided not to transfer so now I'm still here and I finally found a place um and it's just it was su- it's super difficult to uh, get all of that organized in a short period of time, and also when you shouldn't really be going outside. <laughs> like when I would go and tour apartments, it would be like only one person could go in at a time. So like my parents couldn't come in there with me, and I I, I need my parents to look at apartments with me. So <laughs> and then um you like a lot of them wouldn't. Like, no one would take you on a tour, like, you just had to go in there and look, and it was super complicated, but it ended up, it ended up working
4: out, so determined and negatives. COVID kind of threw me out of a lifestyle that I kind of always dreamed about, like, that grasp of independence, of, like, moving out of your house and going to college, it kind of put a pause on that for me, because... Um, UK sent an email at first um, saying that we was going to do online instruction for two weeks after spring break and then not even three days into spring break I get an email saying oh you gotta go (laughs) you gotta go so moving out of the dorm was a struggle because we had to follow CDC guidelines say six feet apart and it's really impossible to do that with, with a whole bunch of people there at once like lugging things out of like residence halls um academically it didn't really affect me that much psychology is a field where you, you work working groups all the time and converting from that to virtual was really hard because you don't really understand things by yourself as well as you do with other people so but i managed to get through it so there's a lot of negatives and positives during this time right now
1: anyone else want to share yes jamie
6: Well, I'm still in high school. So, in March, whenever we had to do, well, go online for all of our classes, not every single one of my teachers understood how to use Google Classroom and everything. And having to do band online was impossible. (laughs) So, that's something that really changed my aspect of school, like how I felt about it, because I didn't feel like doing anything. I didn't feel like trying to do anything. And then the upcoming semester, they're not entirely sure what they wanna do, but they wanna try to have online and in school high school. So that's a mess right now and how it's gonna turn out is scary. So I just hope
3: it goes smoothly and maybe better than last semester. I'll pop in as well. Um, the pandemic has obviously changed a lot of things in my life currently, but specifically, I'm worried about my future career in college and career in general. I'm a senior in college, and this coming semester will be my last semester before graduation, and so I'm going to be entering the workforce in during a time that is very scary, and I know that... Um, everything we're seeing right now, all these effects, are going to last even after this pandemic. And so that's pretty worrying, Um, especially during a point in my life that's already stressful enough to be doing it during a pandemic. Oh, yes, Nicole. So I'll know one way that it
5: has affected all of us and it was uh, this, you know, AMR, because last summer was amazing you know we had we all had lunch together every day and then we went on field trips sometimes and we'd all sit around and play games and stuff and I mean uh we've made it work on here but I still really miss you guys and hanging out every day and I just feel like a lot of my friendships and family relationships have suffered because of this whole thing and school's obviously been affected and uh I think it's just made us all more determined to make our pieces perfect for this. And I think it's helped us overall.
1: Thank you for sharing. Thank you, all of you. and Thank you, Facebook world for questions. We have another question on Facebook for whoever wants to chime in, um, which is a question about the difference between audio and video. So, All of you all were, for those who don't know, um, this crew is a returning group uh, who last year were working on documentary film with AMI. Um, So yeah, does anyone wanna share anything about how you've had to think differently for audio storytelling compared to um, film?
2: So video is in a lot of ways a little bit more difficult because um, you have to think about like, if you cut a piece cut a piece out you have to make sure it doesn't look weird because it switches and um you have to like cover up cuts and things you don't with audio you can just cut out a piece of audio and as long as you can make it sound sort of seamless and that's okay and you can't really tell but it definitely is more challenging in some ways i feel like it gives it puts even more pressure on the audio needing to sound perfect um and it's, you have to be way more creative because with film it, you know, you can look at things and you can put visual things in and that will help people um, keep their, you know their mind on different things. But with audio, you're just listening. So you have to be creative on um, putting things in there that will keep attention and draw people back in. Otherwise it's just people talking. So that was something that I struggled with a little bit in my piece. And um, I was able to use the phone call stuff to make it sound pretty cool. So, uh also there was a bunch of things that we got to play around with, it, even in not our final pieces, but um, in some other pieces we did like working with pitch and working with like distortion and all kinds of things. So it's definitely, it's similar, but it's different. Um, both are good, but um, it definitely changes how you think um I think
8: with video there's probably more technical things to worry about because you've got like uh, I mean all the things with the visual story about you got the camera making sure that you sync the audio up uh cutting shots and stuff but with audio you definitely like Madison said you have to be uh think more creatively because you can't just if you were just to listen to a movie you wouldn't understand anything if you were just to listen to Uh, other like visual arts, like just films and stuff, you wouldn't really get it. But with audio, you have to make sure that it makes sense without having to look at anything, without having to know uh, anything like prior. Make sure that you set scenes and other things. And I think they're different in that way. Uh, They're both similar, but I feel like one, one person couldn't just like just do film and then think they know everything about audio and you can't just do audio and think, you know, everything about film.
7: I think uh, personally for me, like all they said, it's, it's really different because you have to be creative when you're doing audio because you, people can't just see what you're doing. So like for me doing a sports documentary, it'd be very easy to go and film their practice and just have that play as someone talks, but now I can't really do that. So I have to keep their attention by having, the sound of them practicing while they're talking or under the like in between spaces that way it's kind of you have some kind of thing going on
1: besides people just saying words anyone else have anything they want to share about what's different yes jamie
7: i
6: agree with everyone that with audio you have to find ways to keep people's attention and with video it's a lot easier to do that And along with having to keep people's attention, you have to make audio a lot shorter or at least a lot more interesting than it can be if it has video with it. And that's a very hard thing to do. And that was probably one of the main challenges I think we all faced was keeping people's attention because you don't have something to look at. You can just listen to it. And it's a lot easier to click off of audio than it is just click off a video because you can watch a video and just not even really pay attention to it, but you still know what it was about. But audio is just a lot different.
1: <laughs> all right. Um, unless anyone else has thoughts they wanna share, I think maybe I have one last question we could all go around with. I'm curious with the pieces that you all have made, what what would your hope or your dream be for what people take away from it? Or even what would your dream be for what impact it could have more broadly? Um, Madison?
2: My goal, the idea is that some change will start to happen. Um I've I've worked with how life is in prison before, and I've always think I've always thought that it has been unjust, and now more than ever I think. Um take how about it. It already is and then add a pandemic into it and you know it it is impossible to follow all the the guidelines in a prison when you're there all together and sharing a cell that is super small with like tons of people in it um and they're not even getting the basics like they're not getting like proper masks they're not getting proper sanitation and stuff Um, People are allowed to just come in and out of their cells, people that have been affected, um, and it's sad to see, and it's scary for them, I know, and um, when I talked to Jacob, he was, he just, he expressed so many times how scary it was, he didn't feel safe, none of them felt safe, and it shouldn't be like that, I mean, they're forced to be in there, they shouldn't have to feel unsafe in any way, they should be cared for, um, they can't. They can't care for themselves in that situation. So, I. I just want my piece to, hopefully, teach some people, and um, start, making people care. Or I don't know. I just think people need to do better in that
3: area, and hopefully, this will help some. My go with my piece was to bring more awareness to the foster care system and to all of those people who are involved with it. I feel like foster care, especially in regions like ours is pretty abundant and pretty common, but yet it's a topic that is not discussed. And so um, I just wanted to bring awareness to that. And, and not only to the issue of foster care, but also bring up important topics like biological families who are definitely impacted by this. I Feel like a lot of people, they think about the foster parents, they think about the foster children, but they don't think about biological families. And so I think all of the people who are involved in the foster care system need our support to make the system better and I hope my piece can help to do that, especially during a time right now in which the system is struggling even more than it normally does.
4: With my piece, I kinda hope to make people realize that Eastern Kentucky is so much more than what people typically think that it is. Cause I, can, I can't even count how many times that I've went out of state and people hear my accent and They think I'm the stupidest person on earth, like, and they always ask, like, do you always wear shoes down there? Do you, is all you eat KFC? Like the stupidest questions I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, hello. I mean, like Eastern Kentucky people are smart. Like we wear shoes, our accents are something that, that we need to be proud of. And no, we don't eat like KFC all the time. But I think I just wanted to let people know that, Um, Eastern Kentucky does have a rich culture that everybody should embrace and be proud of and be educated more about, because one of the people that I interviewed, a friend of mine, um, he lives from out of state, and he basically was telling me that this needs to go further into the United States, and I hope to carry through with that.
5: Uh, with my piece, I mainly wanted to bring awareness to the situation that college students were facing. Uh, the, the ones that did have jobs at the colleges, the work studies uh, are now unemployed. Some of them can't get unemployment or they're waiting on it. And uh, having to move back with uh, family when uh, the family can be abusive or just not a good environment to do your online work. Uh, the transition from in-person classes to online work and how it affected their grade point average, you know. I just wanted to bring awareness to all of that because I feel like it was really glossed over when it happened. Like, the initial shock was just, oh, everybody's got to move back. And after that, you didn't really hear much about what they were suffering and how it affected their lives. And now when they're going back to the fall, they don't even know, like, what school they want to go to, or if they should stay online, you know, and I just really wanted to bring awareness to that.
7: I think uh, similar to Nicole, I just want to bring awareness to it. Cause like when, when the pandemic started, no one's considering like sports or anything like that, which I know isn't the, the biggest problem right now, but a lot of these athletes, they don't think about the fact that these athletes have scholarships that they need to get, or that they're looking for. And the chances of you getting a scholarship now are a lot slimmer because of of COVID. And I feel like bringing awareness to the the hardships that these athletes are facing right now is, is a big aspect for school as well.
6: What I want people to see from my piece is that even though we all know that domestic problems happen all the time, anywhere in the world, that right now it's a really big issue and no one's really giving light to that. And they don't think about what other people are going through besides themselves, which is not saying that's a bad thing because we're all going through so much right now. But we also need to figure out how to help people and get them out of the situations that they're in and let them know that there's still help for them for no matter what they're going through or what they need help out of. There's always going to be someone there that can help them get out of that.
8: Um, With mom, I wanted to bring awareness to racism and healthcare in general. And um, it's definitely not just now and it's not just people simply just having prejudice towards other people. It goes way deeper into other issues that, like unemployment, uh, housing, just so many things, it goes back decades. Um, But I feel like a lot of people don't know that and a lot of people don't understand that Black and brown people can't just go to a hospital and expect to be cared for. A lot of times they get turned away. They don't get the right healthcare. They like the gap in the infant death rate is in, like insane. It doesn't matter what kind of background that a black woman could have. Like she could have come from a nice family, went to like the best school and lives in like a nice house. Uh, but she could die because they didn't give her the right care. And I think more people should know about that.
1: Thank you all once again for your powerful work, for sharing these powerful messages. Um, can, we, can we just give one more round of applause to these producers, to everyone listening, to Apple Shop, um, to Appalachian Media Institute. So many thanks to go around. And I wanna, I'm going to pass it off now to Willie Johnson to close it out for us. Um, <laughs>
0: thank you thank you all so much i i sent on the i've sent them several times that they've made me cry mom tears tonight um but nicole talking about missing our traditional ami really hit um it's been you know i, I grew up in this program and it's going and being a part of this every summer even as an adult but getting to be around you all every summer is life changing every single summer and every year I say that we have one of the most impressive catalogs in the country of media because we get to see what young people think of this region every single year from a fresh perspective. And this year, I feel so incredibly proud and honored that I get to be a part of just helping share your all's work. Um, it's been truly incredible to listen to tonight and to see go out into the world um, I want to close this up with just saying a, a big thanks to the people who make this summer possible. Um, you know one thing that we don't we don't talk about enough when we talk about AMI uh, in public is that we pay our young people um, and it's really important that we do that because we want every young person to be able to have the opportunity to participate in a program like this and not have to choose between a summer job and an opportunity that could further their, their opportunities in life. Um, and so we pay this year. We also provided computers, um, recorders, all the gear needed and offered as well money to help with internet bills so that young people had a chance to participate in this program. And so I want to just thank the Kentucky Arts Council, the Apple Shop Productions and Education Fund, the MacArthur Foundation, the Mary Reynolds Babcock Foundation, Glenn C. Erig Scholarship, and the E.T. Collinsworth Scholarship, as well as the many individual donors who donate throughout the year. And if you want to donate, you can check us out at Appleshop.org. It's A-P-P-A-L-S-H-O-P. And there's a green um, support button there at the top. And you just designate to AMI. And I also just wanted to end with saying I wish you all the best of luck and, and look forward to how we can support you moving forward. But um, that's a wrap for the 2020 Summer Documentary Institute. Thank you all.